Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high-paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast, friends. So excited to have you here for today's episode. We're going to be chatting about something that I absolutely love teaching my clients and my students and something that I know you guys are also very interested in. And we're talking all about email marketing and writing a newsletter. So what I did was brought on my friend and my mentor, Margot Carroll, um, to talk about uh, email marketing, how to grow an email list, um, why you need to have one, and what is an email list or what is a newsletter, uh, what you should be sharing in your newsletter and how often you should be sending one, and then ways to really grow that email list so more people are actually seeing the newsletter. So Margot is an email marketing strategist and evergreen funnel wizard for wellness brands and online business owners. Uh, busy, busy course creators and thought leaders come to her when they need webinars, email sequences, and funnels that give them back their time while also increasing value. Margot runs the show at margotcarol.com, and in her free time, she enjoys trail running, spending time with her kids and husband, and failing miserably at knitting. So I knew Margot was the right person to bring on. I'm currently in one of her online programs, um, and she is such um, a strategist when it comes to things like email marketing. And I knew she was the right person to talk about this. So what we're going to do is really break down the topic so it's easy to understand for you guys. And then we're going to scale it up a little bit throughout and at the end to actually um, show you what it would be like to grow your list and what you can add in for value to actually bring more to your community. So hang tight and we'll get that right to you. Hi, Margo. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. Yeah, I am really excited to dig into the topic of email marketing and, you know, what is an email list? What is a newsletter? Why do we need one? Because it's something that I get a lot of questions from my community and some of my clients about, and you are really the pro here. So I wanted to bring you on specifically because I knew that you could really break it down for everyone um, and talk about it in a really kind of easy step-by-step way um, from like where they need to get started to, you know, how they can actually start growing their email list. So So why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, how you became an email marketing strategist and also a copywriter. Um, And I also know you kind of come from the wellness industry. So yeah, why don't you just give us a peek into your journey? Yeah. So like most people, it's a little bit of a winding journey. I think that's kind of pretty common and respected in 2019. I know a lot of people that end up where they are now and they started in some totally different field or in a corporate role. Um, So my journey started, I actually was a social worker, was my first career, uh, my first love and um, loved doing that work, loved, um, you know, working with clients to really help them change their lives. Um, But I needed something that was more accommodating to having a family and not having to work 80 hour weeks, um, being on call all the time. Um, And so the first thing that I tried was I went back to school for massage therapy of all things. (laughs) And the people listening right now are going, wait a minute, I thought this lady was going to talk to me about marketing (laughs) and we'll get there. Um, But I actually became a massage therapist because I wanted to find a way to really help people and um, be able to make my own schedule doing that. And I discovered that it wasn't the best fit for me because um, as you know, Stephanie, from our relationship and our conversations together, um, that I have a very strategic brain. Um, I tend to as soon as I think about a certain goal or a certain idea, break it down into the 10 to 15 tasks that it'll take to get there. And um, massage therapy, being a practitioner, wasn't necessarily tapping into that strategic side of my mind. And then at the same time, I had my first child and um, was moving every three to six months for my husband's graduate school. And so it just didn't really make sense for me to um, develop my local practice and then have to move every couple of months. So I was trying to figure out how can I stay in the wellness industry, continue to help people transform their health and their bodies and their life um, while moving so frequently. And so that was when I discovered that a whole lot of health practitioners, um, particularly alternative health practitioners, are amazing at what they do. However, they they really don't like 
having to sell what they do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're great at what they do. They're excelling in their field. They're getting all kinds of additional certifications and they're very knowledgeable and they're really able to help people, um, but they really need help with marketing. Um, and so I started um, by just talking to some of the connections that I already had in massage therapy in that industry and finding out what they needed help with in terms of marketing. For some reason, marketing is something that I have always enjoyed and oddly excelled at. Um, I had a college job in marketing and sales. And um, to me, marketing is simply like good, you know, honest, authentic marketing. It's just connecting people that have a problem with the solution that they didn't know existed for them already. And so um, I started helping a couple of businesses with their marketing. And that grew. I started helping chiropractors and massage therapists and health coaches and um, acupuncturists. And from there, I realized that a lot of them needed copywriting support. I didn't even know what copy was at the time. <laughs> um, but they needed help with, um, you know, writing the emails that they send out to promote their offers and products and their coaching programs. They needed help with, um, you know, writing advertisements. They needed help with writing websites. Um, and so I took continuing education and took some courses in copywriting um, and buyer psychology. And then I ended up actually specializing in email marketing. And over the last year or so, year and a half, I'd say, um, I've become more known as a specialist specifically in email marketing and copywriting for um, launches of signature coaching programs and courses, um, and especially those that want to use like a webinar um, sales funnel. So now I work a lot on the strategy side of doing in-depth customer research, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point in the interview, uh, because I love talking about that everyone needs to be talking to their customers more often. Um, and so now these projects that we do, I have a small team now, um, um, we do a lot of customer research and then we build the sales, um, systems, the customer journeys, um, that lead someone from, you know, a, a like or a follow or a comment on social media to curiosity, to entering your sales funnel, to, um, ultimately nurturing that person as a prospect and getting them to purchase from you. Um, and so that is what I do now. And that's the path that led me to where I am. Wow, that's fantastic. And I love that because I think so many of us think that we have to do this one thing and, you know, it's never going to change and we have to build this one business. Mm. But I love having people on that talk about, you know, it evolves over time and it can, you can still use what you learned in a previous career to your advantage in a new one. So, oh, I, it's so true. I mean, who would have thought that all of the writing skills that I developed as a social worker and the public speaking skills that I developed, you know, taking the young, you know, children that I worked with in the foster care system, taking them to court and helping them, you know, communicate, who would have thought that those skills would then be used to help my clients grow their businesses so that they could support their families? You know, who would have thought? Wow. Yeah, that's super powerful. Yeah. And I think so often we don't see that or don't see those skills because they're so natural to us. Mm. Like, oh, everybody has this. Mm, and yeah. I think you really like showed that, you know, you really just keep growing and growing. It's like you keep like, it's like taking another step on the ladder and you're like, okay, next step, next step. And I, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience and working with you, you know, in some of your own group programs that you do have such a strategic um, mindset and headspace. Like you um, have the ability to really flesh out an idea and not just in a way that is like, oh, this would be so good to do this idea, but like, here's the steps that we're going to take to get there. Mm. Um, and I love that about you. And I think, like I said earlier, that's why I want to have you on to really help to show people, you know, what are these steps that we need to take kind of from the beginning to get our email set up and get our newsletter set up and then, you know, grow that into a place that's really helping them to serve their community in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, that was just that nugget that you just shared, Stephanie, I feel like you could spend a year, you know, teaching just on that one thing of that, you know, it really does feel like, well, hasn't it always been this way? Or haven't I always had these skills? Um, But really, like you're growing and evolving all the time, you know, Stephanie Long wasn't born with (laughs) the exact set of skills and, and, you know, value adds and talents that you have right now, those have like grown and evolved over time. And that, I think it's just an encouragement to everyone listening, right? Like it's so easy to get discouraged and look at what other people are doing or the skills that they seem to have and think, well, they clearly have been gifted with those. And I just, I don't have that. Maybe I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, But the reality is, you know, you didn't start 
at this stage in your business. You've grown mm-hmm. to get here, right? And it's the same with me. You know, I didn't start at the stage in my business. If you would have known me, you know, four years ago, you might have not thought that I w- was quite as strategic as I really am because that's that's kind of a sword that I've sharpened over time and uh, that I've improved over time. So that's, I'm so glad you said that. I, th- I feel like I need to go journal on that for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we could probably do another episode just on that. Yeah. But- but I really appreciate that you you did illustrate for everyone, you know, if you are listening to this and you're like, like, let's just take email. It's one little nugget in your business. But for an example, you might feel like it's really hard to start that right now. And it feels so out of the ordinary or it doesn't feel comfortable for you to even write one email. You know, imagine a few years down the road, it's going to be like a habit to you or it's going to be something that's so natural. So um, starting somewhere is really the only thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. Yep. So true. So why don't we just dig right in then and and get started with, you know, I I really want to break it down as simply as like, what is an email list or what is a newsletter? Um, Because I know a lot of people listening are still in school, just getting started. And this language is all new to them. So why don't we start there? And why don't you tell us what, what that really means? Yeah, absolutely. So I want everyone that's listening right now to think about when they check their email, um, you're typically getting two broadly speaking types of emails. You're getting the email from your mom asking you why you haven't (laughs) emailed her more recently and when you're coming over for dinner or you're getting the email from your college best friend or you're getting the email from um, uh, somebody that's inviting you to a potluck or a bachelorette party. Those are personal emails, right? Those are sent from someone's individual inbox, perhaps Hotmail or Gmail or um, Yahoo, um, and they're sent directly to you as an individual. Then the other emails that you have in your inbox are ones that are from a business. So you, maybe you have an email from Lululemon um, that's telling you about a new fabric that they just developed and how amazing the yoga leggings are that you can buy that have this fabric in it. Or maybe you have an email from uh, Anthropology telling you all about a new line of curtains that are coming out, or telling you that hey, you know you spent this amount. And so you're eligible for a loyalty coupon to go towards the next promotion. Um, Very soon now we will be starting to get um, promotions. Uh, Actually, I've already started getting some of them um, for the holidays and for Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all of those sales and deals. Those are sent not to you individually. Those are sent to a list of email subscribers. Um, And so when we talk about an email list in terms of a business, we're talking about um, businesses that have taken the time to curate a list of people who are interested in what their business is doing and what their business is selling. And those people are interested enough that they opted in or they gave their consent um, with their email address for that company to reach out and send information to that person on an ongoing basis. Some of those messages may be educational. Some of them may be promotional. Some of them may be a combination of both. Um, But those companies are using tools, software tools, to send out those communications to people in batches. So that email that you get, even if it says, hey, Stephanie, here's the new fabric that Lululemon just developed. Um, That has been customized to have your name in it, but it's also going out to someone named Matt and someone named Susan, right? So it's an entire list of subscribers that it's going out to. So when you hear people talking about an email list or growing their list, they're simply talking about growing their audience or their list of prospects. Um, And prospects are people that are potential customers. Um, At this point that they have entered your email list, they are a fairly well vetted prospect. They're very interested in at the minimum learning from you. Ultimately, we hope purchasing something from you. Um, And that is part of the work of email marketing is nurturing those prospects to where they become warm leads who are excited about that email that they get from you that finally gives them the opportunity to buy something from you. Um, Because you've already developed that brand loyalty by nurturing them on your email list. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That was so great at breaking that down because I think so many people get overwhelmed, like I said, with the terminology. And mm-hmm. I like how you really separated it, you know, that email from mom mm-hmm. <laughs> who's an individual. It's very different from that business who is, like you said, sending it out to Matt and Susan and all the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think when it's done well, even though it's being sent out to a mass amount of people, it still feels individual. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll get um, people responding to my emails that are like, thank you so much for sending this to me. Or like, that was so kind for you to reach out just to me. And I mean, then I feel a little bit bad because I'm like, Mm -hmm. actually, everybody. Um, But when written well, it still can feel like a personal connection. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, you know, I've written on this and I think I even, I think I have a a YouTube video on this, but um, the actually studies are showing that the more personalized and casual um, emails, even from a business seem, and I'm not talking about casual, like sloppy, but um, using some um, specific little strategies that you can use to make it feel more personal, things like making sure that you personalize the first name in the greeting um, actually are going to increase your open and engagement rates versus trying to sound like a big corporation. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So then at this point, like if we know that we're adding people's email to this list, um, I know you kind of explained this, but can we go into a little bit more detail? Like what is the newsletter or like why would someone need a newsletter? Yeah, that's a good question. So the day and age of the old school email newsletter, actually, so back in the like early 90s, people called them e-zines, <laughs> like, it, as in electronic magazine, right? Because it was going out um, via email and that was like a brand new, it was like new age thing back then. Um and so e-zines turned to e-newsletters, turned to email newsletters. And now um, I prefer the term broadcast because a newsletter makes it sound like you need to curate it like a newsletter. You're the editor-in-chief and you've got to have an article on this and an article on that. And for some businesses, that might be effective. Um, but what we're finding now in 2019 is that the more personalized and customized it can feel, the more likely someone is to stay on your email list and not choose to remove themselves from your email list, which we would call unsubscribing from your email list because they subscribe to get on. So in order to get off, they would have to unsubscribe. Um, So what we're finding is that um, with content that you're sending out on a consistent basis, um, we want to be educating people consistently on our expertise, on the value that we bring um, with the service or the product that we sell from our business. Um, And then we also want to be educating them on results that are possible. So we want to be sharing consistently, you know, other customers and successes that they've had as a result of working with us, or if it's a product-based business, which most of you listen don't have, but but you've gotten emails from a lot of product-based businesses, so it's an apt example, um, you know, what other people are doing with the product. So you're used to seeing emails from a company like Old Navy or Target or um, Gap or Banana Republic or Lululemon um, that have models in their clothing, but how much more interested are you to click through and open when they're sharing a story of a customer and it's clearly an image of an average ordinary person where wearing the clothing and what they were able to do in that clothing, whether it was, you know, get the job with this new interview outfit or run their first 5k in the clothing that they purchased from Lululemon. Um, so sharing customer success, sharing case studies, um, is a really big part of sharing our expertise, authority, and value. So emails really just like any effective marketing isn't intended just to sell. It's also intended to educate. Um, And so when people start an email list, and we can talk in a minute about how to legally and ethically add people to your email list, because it's not Mm -hmm. as simple as just plunking a bunch of email addresses onto a list in MailChimp. Um, Mm -hmm. But once you're adding people to your email list, um, you want to be communicating with them consistently enough that they remember who you are and that they know why they joined your list in the first place. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you need to send something every week, um, but I do think that at a minimum, sending something out once a month, letting them know, um, you know, some type of educational resource that you have and some type of way that they can 
take action from that um, is really important um, for two reasons. First, it um, gets your audience used to that. It gets them used to hearing from you and it gets them looking forward to hearing from you if you're doing a good job with actually sharing things that are valuable. And it also gets you used to it. So it starts kind of building that muscle memory of, okay, you know, on this day every week or on this day every month, I sit down and I write my email to my list or I sit down and I upcycle content that I already created on a live stream or on a podcast. And all I have to do is just write a little introduction and then the call to action is to click through in that email to listen or to watch or to read. Um, So just building up that muscle memory is what's going to lead to um, eventually you're going to get much better results because of that consistency. I look at my students and my clients that have the most success in terms of just financial success, but also enjoying the business that they're building and not feeling burnt out. And it's those people that are good at consistency, honestly. Like that's like, if I were to pick out one, one attribute across the board. And I know this isn't about like how to build a successful business this is about email marketing, but the people that I see across the board that are successful are those that are willing to be consistent, even when they get bored, even when they feel the imposter syndrome, even when they feel like, Oh, nobody wants to hear from me. Um, they just stay consistent. And that is how you build an effective business. And it's also how you build an effective email marketing um, segment of your business as well. So um, that's what I would say. I would say start with once a month, build your way up to biweekly, and then eventually you could get to once a week. If you already have time on your hands and content that you can repurpose into emails, you can totally start with once a week. Um, so it kind of just depends on your business model. And, um, you know, just like any new eating or exercise program, if you go all in like full bore at the beginning, you're, you know, some of you know more of the science behind this than I do, Stephanie, but you're more likely to, you know, have a failure rate or to get burnt out on it than you are if you gradually ease your way into something. So that's why I say if you start with once a month and then you can build your way up from there, that's a pretty healthy place to start. Knowing that the more often you're in contact, that is going to lead to more revenue because you're going to actually be on the, at the top of people's mind when they think about, oh, I'm finally ready to eat differently or I'm finally ready to take control of this health issue I'm having. And I remember this person because I keep hearing from them and I see them on social media. And so it's finally time for me to reach out. Um, so being top of mind is really important. One thing I do want to address that I said a couple of times that I don't know if I explained is a call to action. Mm-hmm. Um, so every email and every piece of marketing copy that you write, whether it's a social media post or even just like an Instagram story for those of you that are using Instagram, um, stories are really important right now. Um, or if it's an entire sales page that you're writing for your group coaching program that you're developing, everything has to have a call to action. Now, a call to action doesn't always mean that someone needs to buy something. It doesn't even mean that someone needs to click a button necessarily. Um, but it does need to have a direct response that you ask someone to take. Um, and something that you ask them to do. So for example, an email might ask someone simply to um, go follow you on Instagram to get more content from you regularly. Or it might ask someone to go and join your private Facebook group where you share um, you know, weekly recipe guidance. Um, or an email might ask you to go um, click on a um, application page and actually apply for your coaching program. Um, there's a lot of different options of what the call to action can be, um, but there is only one option that you can't have as a call to action, and that's nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't want anyone to be writing emails and just feeling like they're sending them out to a pen pal who never writes back. And that's how it feels when you don't have a call to action because then you can't actually track any results of the efforts that you're putting in. Mm -hmm. So you always want to have a call to action for people as a result of any piece of marketing copy you write. Wow. You just said like a hundred things. And I was like, okay, I want to make a point about that. (laughs) I'll start start with the call to action. So um, the way I always kind of looked at it and you summarize this perfectly, but it's just asking them to take that next step with you. So it's like, just like you said, it's not like you're going to write your pen pal wait for weeks and you never hear back. Like that would be mm-hmm. devastating. So we really want to create a conversation because, you know, whoever you're writing the email to, they're a person, right? Mm-hmm. They're craving community, they're craving connection, and they want to know you're a real person. So um, I guess one question I have for you, Margo, is, you know, when you're writing an email, are you trying to make it really personal? Are you trying to make it as if it's like your friend opening the email? Or should it be more from like a business 
I mean, I don't think any of us would say hello, sir, or hello, Mm -hmm. Mm ma'am, but like, we didn't have more, um, I don't know, corporate language or really like businessy language. Like how should we be writing this actual newsletter? So this is one of the reasons why I encourage everyone, no matter how small their business is when they're starting out to write a set of brand voice guidelines. That's not because I think everyone should hire a professional copywriter to write copy for them. And so they need a brand voice guide so that the person sounds like them. It's so that you know what you want your voice to sound like. And, um, you know, I've written for, you know, startups in Manhattan that, you know, millions of dollars of annual revenue. And I've written for, you know, large chain brands, uh, wellness companies. Right now, most of the writing and strategy work I do is for small online business owners. Um, So I'll speak more to that because I think that that is more of your audience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say that starting out, you really do need to define like what is the voice of your brand. And I recommend doing that in conjunction with finding out the people that are your ideal paying clients. What kind of brands do they follow? What kind of brand voice did they prefer? And then kind of doing a fusion of the two. So it's not all about what you like best, but it's not all about what your customers like best either, because it needs to sound right for you. Um, so what I would say is you are typically with these types of brands, especially when you're selling something as personal as, you know, coaching or health coaching or life coaching or something of that nature is very, very personal, right? It's very relationship based, even if you're doing it one to many, like in a group format or with, um, online courses. Um, and so what you're going to find is very effective is having a brand voice that is more personal, that is more sharing of your journey. Um, you do want to still make it clear that you are a couple steps ahead of your audience, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't want it to be so casual and so personal and so sounding like you're still in the thick of the struggle with them that they feel like, well, why would I want to pay this person if they're not actually the expert? Um, So you you still want to make it clear that you're a couple of steps ahead of them, just like in real life, if you met someone that you looked up to that you wanted to kind of mentor you, but that you also got along well with, um, there would still be a little bit of that feeling of separation there. Like, okay, this person, I'm learning from them. They're not really learning from me. There's other things I can bring to the table, but I know that even though they're friendly and casual and relatable, that they are still like the expert in this relationship in this scenario. So really bringing in that authority piece of you are still the teacher, you are still the educator, and you are still bringing to some bringing something to the table that's relatable. But I like to think of, of it as like you're sharing from a scar, not from an open wound. So mm-hmm. you're sharing from a place that's like maybe you can really relate to because it happened a year ago or three years ago or maybe even just a few months ago, but you're not like you said, currently in the thick of it. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that people often get caught up in like what other people are doing with their business and thinking like, oh, do I need to sound like that? Do I need to sound like them? Um, That seems like it's working for them. So do I need to do the same thing? And, um, you know, oftentimes what's working for someone else's business won't work for yours, or you don't actually know from the outside that that is what's working for their business. Just because their business is growing and they talk a certain way in their email marketing does not mean that their email marketing is one of the revenue drivers for their business. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, making sure that you are using language that feels right for your audience. And you will know because you will start getting things like what Stephanie just mentioned, like you'll get replies to your email saying, Oh, this is so good. This is so on point for like exactly where I'm at in my journey. Um, or you'll get people that email you saying like, Oh, this is a little bit like, I actually unsubscribed because you know, I was a little bit uncomfortable with this. But I one thing I always want to like, make sure that people understand is not to sound too big too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is that when you're small, there's this tendency to want to just get big quick and, and, and act like you're big. And, and, you know, I'm not knocking the whole school of like manifestation, like you need to act a certain way to like make that a reality. More of what I'm talking about here is when you start kind of acting like you're a little too big for your britches, um, mm-hmm. too soon. And what I mean is when people are, um, you know, not sounding personal anymore, or they don't want to say, you know, please, 
please reply and let me know what the thing is that you're struggling with. Um, they'd rather just send them to a blog post. Um, mm-hmm. It's really important when you are smaller to leverage that and to actually get people to engage with what you're writing. And it's actually good for the health of the deliverability rates. This is getting into this kind of techie stuff, but um, deliverability for email marketing simply means like what percentage of people that you email this this broadcast email to are actually receiving it in their inbox. And that number is never 100%. And that's just because of IP addresses and firewalls. Um, You will have a certain percentage of people that will never even see your email. Um, There are certain email service providers that you can use that have way higher deliverability rates than others. And that's why I tend to recommend um, ConvertKit. We can talk about that later if that's something you want to talk about. But um, with deliverability, getting people to reply to your emails Let's your IP address be marked as um, it's like the opposite of spam, right? It's something that people want to get. It's something that people are opening and replying to is like the ultimate form of indicating consent, right? Like not only did they sign up, not only did they open your email, but they actually replied to it. So that's letting um, the spam blockers know like, no, this is like valuable to this person. Um, So we're going to make sure that they get this email in their inbox. Um, And so it's good for your deliverability rates if you have people replying to your emails. Um, So having a call to action, again, it's not always clicking through to somewhere else. Oftentimes the call to action is simply you share education and value and then you say, please, you know, hit reply and let me know what's your biggest struggle with um, planning ahead your meals for the week or what's your biggest struggle with um, how your busy schedule affects your health or whatever it is that you are talking about what you're educating on in that piece. And when you start getting those replies to answer them, Um, because again, having this email exchange back and forth is something that's possible for you when your business is smaller and your list of subscribers is smaller that won't be possible for you five years from now. Um, Or it will be, but you might have like a customer support VA that's helping you or an assistant that's helping you um, with checking your email so that you can focus on other things. So when you're small, leveraging that, I remember... um, So the first time that I launched a one-to-many program, so not one-to-one, I had been one-to-one previously, and the first time I launched a one-to-many model program, um, leading up to that launch, as I was trying to warm up my audience, um, I I leveraged the fact that I had a smaller list at that time, and I actually sent out emails, like I remember sending one, you're going to laugh at this, Stephanie, but on a Friday evening, I sent out an email saying like, hey, um, I know that a lot of you are probably working right now, like me. Um, what you got going on? Like, what are you working on right now? And this was sent not from my personal Gmail address. This was sent from my, it was a broadcast email from the software that I used to send out my weekly emails. And I got tons of responses from people. And I started conversations with people that were, you know, they're, they're working on the weekend, they're building their business. Um, those are things that you can do to build relationships with people in this age of like hiding behind screens and we're too introverted to call customer support somewhere. So instead we'll use a chat bot on a website. Yeah. Um, those are things that you can do to start building those relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so important is, you know, keeping that call to action or that next step super simple for them so it's not asking them you know to take this really big leap it's just like what's a small step they can take so like hey what you doing right now like people do want to talk about themselves they want to talk about their experiences so if it's something that's easy for them to do they'll likely do it but if it's going to take them a lot of effort or time or like thought to you know sit down and write a response they might not Mm-hmm. Yeah, I call it making it frictionless. Um, you know, as frictionless as possible reduces the chances that you won't get the outcome that you want. It's like asking my four year old to make her bed, but then also asking her to do it and like go put the other sheet in the laundry and then also organize the books on her shelf and also make sure that she lines up the blankets perfectly square to one another. It's like it's not going to happen, right? But yeah. if I just give her one thing to do, it makes it much more frictionless and much more likely that it'll actually happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is totally a side note, but I feel like you'd be such a good mom. <laughs> so strategic that I'm sure well, it does your life as well. I'm no, I'm no longer accepting applications, Stephanie. <laughs> but <laughs> I have, I have two toddlers right now. That is plenty, plenty of work for me to keep up with. So thank you for saying that. Okay, you're welcome. Okay, so why don't we? I really would like to jump into, you know, where do people get started? And you mentioned ConvertKit. 
which I know, you know, being five years in my business, you and I have had a conversation about this previous, but mm-hmm. even for me switching from my previous or the, the email provider that I have right now into ConvertKit was a learning curve for me and mm-hmm. can be a learning curve. So if someone's just getting started, like how do they even get this list growing and get it started? Yeah. So I would say, um, there's two options here. You can go with the route where you are more concerned with your expenses and your costs early on in your business. And so you choose a free email marketing service provider. Um, and you use that to essentially validate or get some money in the door for your business idea. And then once you start getting money in the door and you're comfortable having some monthly expenses for your business, then you upgrade to a paid tool. Um, there, you know, the age old saying your grandma told you, like you get what you pay for is true when it comes to software as well. So if you want to have to spend more of your time fiddling with something and getting it just right to where it's optimally growing your email list and is serving your audience well with new content, um, you are going to want to have a paid tool. Um, if you're, if you don't want to spend all of that additional time, like making it work for you, because it's not set up completely to do that. Um, if you want to have an email service provider that is ready from day one, and you're going to have to pay a monthly fee, which in my opinion, I don't think anyone should start a business unless they're prepared to have some amount and you can figure out what's comfortable for you, but some amount of startup costs and monthly expenses, um, then I would definitely recommend starting with a tool like ConvertKit. Um, and I don't work for ConvertKit. <laughs> I just uh, use it for myself and for my clients. And I have tried many other tools. You know, I've worked in Drip is another email service provider. I worked in ActiveCampaign. Um, you name it, I've worked in the back end. I would say my two favorites as far as like how easy it is to set up sales funnels um, and sales funnels for those of you that don't know are simply just the customer journey that has automated emails that send out. So you're not there clicking the button saying send it's sending on its own um, because you set it up ahead of time. Um, so for sales funnels and things like that, I, I would definitely say that convert kit and active campaign are two of my favorites. Um, the reason why I say convert kit so often is because the user interface plus the, one of the highest deliverability rates in the industry, um, makes it a no brainer for me because if you think, okay, you know, maybe two to 10% of my list is going to actually apply for a sales call for this coaching program that I'm launching. If only, you know, 80% of the people on your list are getting those emails, that two to 10% doesn't go quite as far. But if 95% of the people on your list or 99 or even 100% of the people on your list are getting those emails, then that two to 10% is a lot more people. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's, it's very simple math that like my clients can make more money and serve more people and help improve more people's lives if they're reaching more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's two ways to look at it there. And I hope that that wasn't too confusing. I would say if I was advising a new business owner just starting out, I would say that it's much easier to start from scratch square one with the tool that you're going to be using one to two to three to five years in than it is to start with something else. And you can speak to this too, Stephanie, and then trying to unlearn what you learned in that free tool Mm -hmm. to actually start using the better option, that paid tool. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at right now, personally, where it's like, Mm -hmm. I know that I have the audience and the, um, how did you word it when you're trying to, uh, like you could use a free tool if you're trying to validate your invalidate the program or whatever it is so I have all of that it's just now oh okay now I'm moving everything from one platform to another and like you said I'm learning all the processes so mm-hmm. it's so true um I'm just wondering like because I know we haven't talked about MailChimp but I'm assuming that's what you're referring to when we talk mm-hmm. about free services um what about somebody that like what kind of and I agree that you say we should be putting money into our business from the beginning, but someone that is not willing to or hasn't, or maybe finds themselves using MailChimp or another free service. Is there a way for them to still utilize that in a more basic way? And then, you know, transition to a paid service down the road or. Yeah. So you can definitely set up the basics. Um, MailerLite is another one that has a free option. 
Um, so MailerLite and um, MailChimp, you can use the free version. Um, what you will find that you can do is you can very easily send out weekly broadcasts. Um, but as your list starts to grow, and I know that they just changed the numbers, but it used to be that once you get to a thousand subscribers, um, that you have to start paying for the tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so definitely at that point, if you're going to pay for something, pay for what is easiest to use and will work the best. And that's when I would say to switch to a different tool. But, um, and in my case, I would recommend ConvertKit or potentially active campaign if you try ConvertKit and you really just are not interested in using it for some reason or another. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that you will find is limited on the free versions of something like MailerLite or MailChimp is the ability to set up email automations. So those are essentially like somebody goes onto your new website and you have a free meal planning guide. And in order to get the meal planning guide PDF, they have to um, get give you their email address, and then you will send it to their inbox. So they opt in via the opt-in form on your website, and then they go to their email and they received that freebie from you. Then I always recommend from there that people have a, you know, four to six to even seven or eight, once you get more advanced, four to six email nurture sequence that's going to go out to somebody that just opted into your list. It's going to welcome them. It's going to give them some case studies and examples of what you have done in the past um, and how you've helped other clients in a situation similar to theirs. Um, And then it's going to have a call to action for them to either purchase something from you or book a sales call with you, whatever the next step is in your businesses customer journey flow so that kind of email sequence will be sent out on an automated basis so that's going to go out to them whether you're at your computer or not and that's the beauty of email service providers is that we can set this up to go out to people ahead of time when they take certain actions for example opting in to get that free guide or opting in somewhere else to your email list. Or if you have like a webinar that you're hosting, they opted in to view the webinar. And then after the webinar, you're able to send emails to them on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, with MailChimp or MailerLite or the free tools, you are very limited in the automations that you can set up. So that means that it's going to require more work on your end to design workflows and customer journeys um, outside of just that weekly broadcast that are going to work for your business. Now, if you just want to build a business where you are just sending weekly or biweekly or monthly broadcast emails, letting them know what your business is doing, and you want to just use, you know, DMs and individual emails to actually, you know, lead to the sale or share testimonials, um, then maybe you can make a free tool work. Um, but I think for someone that is interested in preserving their time and their sanity, <laughs> um, <laughs> that having some level of, you know, automation so that you can send out those case studies and send out those educational emails within a nurture email sequence, um, that's where I recommend having the paid tools. Yeah, thank you for going into that. I don't think a lot of people talk about that. Um, and I think it is good to see like, you know, to set it up right from the beginning, and but also have options, you know, where you can at least check in with yourself and say, am I at the place right now where I need to upgrade or I need to grow or it needs to kind of go to that next level. Um, But I'd say overall, what I hear you saying is like starting somewhere, like we should be having an email Mm -hmm. um, broadcast or an email newsletter. Um, If it's with the free tools to use it in a very basic way, sure. Um, But if you want to grow your business and really scale it and have it come to the next level, you know, if you're going to pay for a program, pay for one that's doing those automations really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And, you know, that obviously is very much individual person to person, what's going to make sense for them. If they are really uncertain, it's a really untested concept, and they want to validate it first, then sure, maybe try a MailChimp, but then you are going to run into, you know, you're going to take for example, you're going to have a business coach that recommends you set up a certain type of thing so that you can capture leads. And you're going to say, well, my email service provider can't do that. <laughs> or you're going to be in a course, like in my group coaching course, for example, right now, like there's certain things that I am telling my students to do to help their business grow that they would not be able to do in certain email service providers. And so then you end up kind of hitting up against that brick wall again, where it's like, well, I know I need to set up this thing for my business, whether it's a tripwire or whether it's a sales funnel or whatever it is, but I can't do that with my email service provider. So that's when I say, you know, just learning 
from the beginning. It's like trying to switch from skiing to snowboarding, probably. Mm -hmm. I don't actually know how to ski very well. Um, So I don't really know. I only cross-country ski, really. But it'd be like, you know, all of a sudden you're trying to switch to a snowboard from skiing and just feels kind of counterintuitive when you know, like, really, you're still just gliding on snow down a mountain. Like, it shouldn't be, you know. So it's like starting with starting as you mean to go on is my top recommendation. But I have clients, you know, that are making like $20,000 a month that are just now like, "Mm, I should probably migrate over to Mm -hmm. a paid tool, you know, that I should migrate over to a convert kit or something like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, no, thank you for going into that. And like I said, you know, I'm kind of in that migration right now. And um, it's always scary, because like you said, you've learned one way, but like we said earlier, you know, we're always learning, we're always growing and it, and you are able to shift and, and take more on as you get those skill sets in, in yourself mm-hmm. and in your business. So, yeah. Okay. So the last thing I wanted to cover was um, how can we start growing the email list? So, you know, you might start with just a few people. Maybe you're adding your mom and your boyfriend and your, you know, friends from high school or whatever it is, you know, and maybe they're not the most ideal people to be on your list, but that's who you have from the beginning. So how do you really grow it to people that actually want to buy from you and are actually in that audience that you want to work with? Yeah. So for those of you that are listening that have done that, and you're like, Oh, man, I have this list of like 200 people that don't even like it's just from an old business or an old thing. Like, don't be afraid to light a match and burn it down and start over. We have this like feeling of self worth and validation of like, Oh, as my email list grows, that means I'm a real business online. Um, And that's not necessarily true. Um, A lot of people that I work with are making a good living and have a very small list. Like it really just depends on the business model. Um, but I just wanted to say, like, for those of you that are listening and like, oh, God, please don't let her say that it needs to be X size in order for me to have a successful business. Um, it's okay if you need to say like, okay, these people that are on this list, like, it's very cold, they're not ideal paying clients. So it's, it's probably time for me to start doing a purge. Um, I always say if you're cold subscribers, and that is people that have not opened a single email from you in the last six months, if your cold subscribers number is going over 20% of your list, then you need to, to cull that part of your list. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to keep that at 15% or below of your whole email list. Um, so I do that every probably six months or so, um, mm-hmm. regardless of what the percentage is. But when someone comes to me and says like, I think I need to clean up my list. How do I know? Um, again, <laughs> sounding like a fangirl, um, but ConvertKit and some other email, um, tools will actually give you the number of cold subscribers. Like you can just click a button. You don't have to do any calculations or run any reports and it will just tell you like, like this is the number of cold subscribers and this is that these are the email addresses of those people and then you can just send them some warm up emails and if they still don't open anything um, then you can just remove that segment of your list um, so to go back to your original question about how to originally um, to start from the beginning and grow an email list there's it's important to understand that um you know, international regulations require that someone has opted in and given affirmative consent to be on your email list. What that means is that legally, you cannot just um, add Aunt um, Sally and Uncle Bob to your email list without them giving you affirmative consent first. So let's say that you are an acupuncturist and you have had a brick and mortar and you never used an email service provider there because your books were always full and you didn't need to. You had email addresses like written down somewhere, you know, in a paper planner (laughs) and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to start this health coaching business now. So I'm going to add those people to my email list and then I'll just start sending them emails every week and it's going to be great. And maybe they'll become clients and it'll be lovely. Um, and you're thinking, oh, it's, and it's fine because they can click a button inside the email and unsubscribe if they don't want to get the emails. Actually, what you have to do is you have to reach out to those people individually and you have to say, you know, I would like to add you to the list for this business that I'm starting. Um, and you have to be explicit about the fact that they're going to get a combination of educational and marketing emails from you and about how often that you're going to send them. And then they have to give you their affirmative consent. So that's just like one little pointer that people should be aware of if they're kind of doing guerrilla marketing and <laughs> like pulling together a list from other places. Um, then as far as growing brand new leads for your business, um, using email marketing, um, 
the simplest way to do this is to have some type of valuable offer that people must opt into your email list in order to get. Typically, we call this a lead magnet or a content upgrade. Sometimes people call it an opt-in freebie. Um, for some reason, I'm like kind of averse to the word freebie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like it just um, downplays the value because some of my clients, you know, they have their lead magnets are like. 30 page workbooks and they're like incredibly valuable. They could easily charge for them, but they don't because they want to, um, you know, give something free and valuable when people first start their relationship with them. Um, so that being said, um, it's very easy using a tool like ConvertKit or even like MailChimp um, to create whatever your free lead magnet is going to be and then plug it into your email service provider and then have a form that people can give their email address and possibly their first name as well. Um, and then they can get onto your email list and then you can start sending them a nurture email sequence and and nurture or welcome email sequences are super important um, because the average open rate for those emails is typically like 50 to 86% more effective than like weekly broadcast or newsletter type emails, which Mm -hmm. is crazy. Like people are opening them at a much, much higher rate. Um, You know, you're going to get like four times more opens and maybe even five times more clicks based on the research than your regular email marketing campaigns. So not having that, like the moment after somebody is hyped up enough on your work to download something from you and give you permission to access their inbox, you're missing out on a lot of sales if you don't have a welcome email sequence. Mm. Um, Yes. So setting that up, having some type of free valuable offer, um, and you can set that up and test it, of course, if you find that it's not, if people aren't opting in for it after they get to your page. That's another thing that if you use ConvertKit, you can see like what percentage of people that viewed the page where they could opt in actually opted in for it. Um, so setting up that page and having people opt in for that free valuable offer, um, then that's one of the key ways to grow your list from there is promoting that free valuable offer. So I know that you're thinking, Oh my God, like I have to promote my paid offers and I have to promote my free stuff. And like, I have to promote all these things. Like you're Mm -hmm. telling me so many things to do, but really in the early days when you're still getting your name out there and growing the awareness of you and your business and what you do, um, dedicating time to promoting your free offer, your free lead magnet is going to be a pivotal way to grow your list. So you might be going and speaking um, to someone else's group. You might be doing in-person events, like in-person speaking gigs. And then at the end of the speaking gig, you can talk about your paid product, but you can also say, you know, I have this free guide that goes into greater detail on what I spoke on today. You can go to this webpage um, to opt in for it or bring a laptop with you and like actually let them opt in right then and there um, to your free guide. Um, you can be doing um, podcast interviews. You could be doing, uh, you know, you could be collaborating with someone on a webinar. So leveraging your relationships and your professional network and your network of contacts, people who can, who have a similar audience to yours, right? Like similar ideal paying clients to yours, um, but doesn't, they don't do the exact same type of work as you. So you're not like a competitor who is poaching customers from them. Um, Spending time nurturing those relationships with those people so that you can get in front of their audience and then share your valuable free offer is a great way to get people onto your email list. Now, I have some favorite types of free offers that will grow your list faster than others, but that's kind of like the 101 level, like anyone can do this. Um, I will say too, for those of you that are nervous about the tech side of things, I just like, I'm gonna get real transparent with you here. I, like before I started my business four years ago, I did not have a personal Facebook account. I did not have an Instagram I had never gotten behind an email service provider before. Um, Like you can do all of this, even if you're thinking like, how do I even set it up so that an email goes out when somebody pushes a button? Like, do I need to know code? Like what, like nowadays the email service providers have, you know, teams of dozens of web developers and coders. They figure all of that out for you. And all you do is drag and drop. And it's like, you know, 
like making those little scrapbooks that you made as a kid like in elementary <laughs> school. It's that simple in terms of just picking out like, okay, this button goes here. Um, I'm going to send this many emails afterwards. And then you just actually have to do the customer research to sit down and know what to write to your audience. Mm, perfect. So just to um, kind of reiterate everything you said, it would be set up the um, email list, create your lead magnet, um, create an automated email sequence. So when somebody signs up for the email list, they get the lead magnet, and then they get these automated emails. Um, and then I think that was the only <laughs> I can't remember if there was another step there. But is that kind of the step by step? Yeah. That is how you would do it. And then I would say, I guess the next step would be transitioning them into your regularly scheduled um, broadcasts. Or if you have um, a sales promotion happening or an evergreen sales funnel, um, then you would funnel them from your nurture sequence directly into um, finding out about that promotion that's happening. Mm -hmm. So your nurture sequence or your welcome email sequence is something that's going out 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. Um, and then promotion, promotional emails or launch email sequences, those are happening like time sensitive. Like maybe you have a big promotion happening in January. And so your whole email list is getting those emails in January. Um, mm-hmm. but if you have an offer that's always available, like let's say, um, you have like a $350 offer that's on your website, like all the time. Um, and you have a sequence of emails that would lead someone to purchase that product after your nurture email sequence, you could then put them into another email sequence that is a sales funnel or a sales email sequence that would lead them to buy that product. Or if you don't have something like that right now from the nurture email sequence, then you would just transition them by letting them know like, hey, now you're going to be starting to get these consistent, you know, weekly or monthly emails from me. Um, These are the kinds of topics that I'll be talking about what you can look forward to hearing about. Um, So just making it all feel like an open loop, right? Like they know, okay, I've gotten these emails. Now I'm expecting that I'll be getting other emails from them. Nothing's coming as a big surprise because you've prepped them and let them know what's coming next. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for giving us that timeline of events that needs to happen to getting it all set up. So I have one final question, and this might be a bit of a selfish one because it's something I'm curious about. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to preface it by saying that um, I a hundred percent agree with, we need to really make all of these things a habit, right? If it's sending out a newsletter, if it's sending out a podcast, whatever it is, you know, doing it consistently, um, Mm -hmm. whatever schedule you choose to do. And so I'm going to preface it by giving myself a little pat on the back that um, for the most part, for the last, you know, eight months to 10 months, I've been doing the podcast um, every single week. And that I've been so happy that I've been consistent. You know, I've missed a few here and there, but for the most part, we're all I know I had to celebrate it because, you know, consistency for me has been really hard. So, um, but when we go over to my newsletter, I'll have pockets of consistency. I'll send a few, you know, every few weeks and be really good. And then I'll ghost for a little bit. Mm -hmm. For me, I know that's an area I really want to work on. And the reason I want to bring it up was to show everyone that I'm also, you know, learning and struggling with this. And that's something I'm trying to get better at. Um, But also, I know a lot of us ghost for a while and we don't know how to get back mm. in that habit after we're gone or what even to say and mm-hmm. I know for me I'm like should I apologize that I've been mm. here so long so I don't know if you just had like something to kind of give us all a boost if we are in that position right now how do we get started again mm-hmm. okay great question and I love this um so here is the Uh, like tough love answer. And Stephanie, you're in my program. So you know that I'm like, I'm like caring and encouraging, but I'm also like, you have to do X, Y, and Z. (laughs) Um, So the tough love answer is that people are not paying as much attention to you as you think they are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you have, you will have those rare, um, you know, brand lurkers that are just paying attention to like every single thing that you do. And they know when you sent something out later than you said you would. But for the most part, people just care about the problems that they have and whether or not you can help them solve those problems and the goals that they have and whether or not you can help them reach those goals. They're not paying attention to like the fact that they paid attention to the fact that you hadn't been communicating as much via email. That thought 
happened a couple of weeks after you stopped sending emails and then they haven't thought about it again since. Mm -hmm. So then to bring that thought back to mind by saying, hey, sorry, I haven't been in touch for a while, rather than just leading with an insane amount of value when you do get back in touch saying like, look at this amazing thing that I created for you. Here's this amazing new like walkthrough of what you can do to solve this problem that you have. Um, You know, whether that is some new podcast episodes or whether that is a brand new blog post that you wrote or an Instagram caption that you wrote that's going to help them solve a problem or a recipe that's going to help them deal with a health concern. Um, don't belabor the point of that you were gone for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like spend that time and that emotional investment that you would have put into worrying about people noticing into thinking about how you can like blow them away with the value when you get back in touch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say like trying to limit that happening, but just knowing that it is okay and it is safe for you to go quiet for periods of time and then get back in touch and knowing that if you have a bunch of people unsubscribe when you get back in touch, they probably weren't your ideal customer anyway. And even if you're like, no, no, they definitely are my ideal customer. If they're not ready, then they're still not your ideal customer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, you know, I have worked with people that have been on my email list for like years and then they'll unsubscribe for a while and then they'll come back on my email list and then they'll purchase something for me. Mm-hmm. And that is like, case in point of the fact that even if I could have like been really resistant and said like, Oh man, you know, if I was like tracking my unsubscribes every day and knowing like who exactly left my list or something, um, taking it personally and thinking like, man, that would have been like a perfect ideal client for me. Well, if they weren't ready at that point in time, they weren't a perfect client for me anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. so just knowing that like not to take it personally when you have unsubscribes from your email list, um, when you are growing your list at the very beginning stages, you want to be tracking things like open rate and click rate. You have access to, to see the metric of unsubscribes, but don't stress out about it. You know, all of a sudden, if you get like 20% higher unsubscribes on a single email, okay, maybe take a look at that. Like, did you put in a curse word that really offended people? Or, you know, did you do something that was like totally off brand for you? And people essentially like took exception to that and then unsubscribed or you got angry replies to that email or something. Then sure, maybe take a look at yourself. But it's way too easy, especially in the early days of your business when imposter syndrome is still very real to worry about something like unsubscribes or to worry about getting back in touch instead of just doing it. (laughs) Um, And the time that we spend worrying about what other people think, rather than just like taking the action and getting back in touch and, and leading with value. um, Nine times out of 10, we could have like spent an equal or less amount of time just like coming back to them with value. um, And we wouldn't have had to worry about what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. And one way I even like to think about it for myself, or um, with my own clients and let them know is, you know, a lot of this work we're doing really has to be about service for the other person and we really in a sense have to remove ourselves from it so if that's removing the ego or removing that um you know any kind of imposter syndrome so like we're kind of just like taking ourselves out of the equation and showing up regardless for the Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I call it being um checked in but tuned out and I know that sounds really weird but it's like you're checked in you're in it with them but at the same time you're tuning yourself out of the responsibility over all the outcomes Mm -hmm. um, because you can't accept responsibility for every single outcome that happens in every aspect of your business. Some things, of course, we need to accept and take radical personal responsibility. But other things like, you know, if I was out of touch for a couple months and I get back in touch with my list and a couple of people unsubscribe, like you need to be able to check into the work and tune yourself out of the outcome in that case. Oh, I love that. I'm going to remember that and write that down because I think that's really good. Such a good way to, to address all of owning a business, right? Because we can make it so personal. So to yeah. And I, and I think, you know, there are ways to work around that by spending a lot of time gathering feedback and surveying and interviewing customers to find out what's going on with them so that you know, when you do take action, that you have done your absolute very best to be taking action that is relevant and meaningful and helpful for them. Even if in that moment you didn't sweat it and stress yourself out like, oh my God, is this relevant and meaningful and helpful? You trusted that you had already done your research. And I mean, Stephanie, you know how much I emphasize like doing mm-hmm. your customer research on a consistent basis so that you can be updating your brand voice guidelines and you can be figuring out like, 
do they want to hear from me once a week? Or does my audience maybe just want to hear from me once a month? Or like, those are things that there are ways to learn them. But if we spend too much time sweating how to deliver it and not taking action, then it's not just about us losing out on sales and making less money when we do that. It's also like we are helping fewer people mm-hmm. when we let that hold us back. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's end it there because I think that was a great point. And you've brought so many um, amazing points here today, you know, all from like how to even just start the list, what um, providers to look at, uh, you know, really ideas and reasons why people should be starting a newsletter and being consistent with one to begin with and then ways to grow it. I think you've brought so much value. So um, we won't overwhelm everyone. We'll hopefully get them started on the path. Um, And why don't you just tell us where people can find you. I know that you do have a lead magnet you might want to share. And perhaps if you even want to talk about your group program that I'm a part of as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Stephanie just mentioned she's a part of my group program, the Trailblazer Toolkit for Online Business Owners. And I called it Trailblazer not because that's a cliche, but because I believe in doing things your own way and having the tools um, that you can access when you need them um, to create um, a sales funnel when your business is ready or to do the customer research to know how to set up a brand voice guide and to have that confidence. Um so that program is where we um, develop the system and the sales funnel so that you can sell your one-to-many offer um, for your business. And some of you will be ready to do that on autopilot and actually sell it straight from an email sequence. And other people will be more interested in getting people onto sales calls um, and then um, selling your one-to-many offer from there. Um, but that is that program. I won't actually be opening enrollment back up for that program until January. Um, so the best way to learn more about that is to get on the wait list to find out more about it when it opens back up in January of 2020. Um, Um, And then the other thing that I wanted to make sure to share with you guys is I do have a workbook that you can use um, that's kind of the basics of email marketing starting as simple as the subject lines. Like how do I write email subject lines that people are actually going to click through to open based on research, right? Like not guesswork. How do I make sure that people are actually going to open these emails? Um, And so I have a workbook that you can access and that is at www.margocarroll.com forward slash email hyphen success hyphen workbook. Um, So that's margocarol.com. Carol has two R's and two L's forward slash email hyphen success hyphen workbook. And you can get that. um, And that actually, I would encourage you, even if you don't know if you want that workbook, go opt in, get that free guide, and then you can go through my sales funnel and you can sneaky peek (laughs) on the back end what it actually looks like so that for those of you that are still having a hard time with this abstract concept of email automation, I think once you actually go through an email automation in real time, you'll you'll understand it better. So go and opt in for that. Even if you're going to unsubscribe from my list, that's fine. Just go opt in for it and then you'll see what it actually looks like to get those automated emails and what you can do for yourself because all of these tools are accessible to anyone, um, even a beginner. So, and then of course on Instagram, come find me on Instagram. I'm at Margot Carroll. Perfect. Wow. So many different value adds for everybody here. So thank you for sharing all that. I'll be sure to link everything in the show notes. So if you guys forget uh, where to go to, you can find that in the show notes. And thank you so much, Margot. This has been great um, talking to you is a pleasure. And I know we just like had the tip of the iceberg of what you're capable of on this episode. So thank you so much for really just sharing your knowledge and your expertise with us here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Stephanie, for having me. And thank you, everyone who's listening. And I encourage you to just go take that imperfect action and get started this week. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend or take us on social media. Catch you next time.